Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, and that is Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records, and he is the hot rod man, and he gets together here with us every week, and I want to thank you for joining me every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern or an encore on Sunday at 6 p.m. only heard on Rural Radio, Sirius except Channel 147. And one week after it airs on the radio, it is a podcast available for you to listen to any place in the world. So hopefully, God willing, everything is going well with you in your life and in your operation. And we are getting some rain today, a little bit more than so far. And I checked the Davis Vantage View weather station before I came downstairs to record in the farmhouse. And we're at 1.17 inches of rain so far today when I'm recording. So, hey, thank God that is not snow because they claim that that would be a little bit more. What one inch of rain is about a foot of snow. So we'd probably have a 13, 14 inches of snow. And I don't particularly want that. You don't have to plow or shovel rain. But as we all know, snow is a blessing specifically to recharge the water table. But what we are going to talk about today and before I get into that, I just want, I've been neglectful in telling you, if you ever want to reach out to me, good, bad, or indifferent, right? I am from New Jersey. I could take the for criticism. Just uh, email me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And I get back to everyone who reaches out to me. It may take me a little while, but I do get back to everyone and I have, you know, so like I said, you just, you know, reach out and say hi or say, hey, we want you to do something different or we don't like your show or whatever it may be, right? Because this is your show. I'm only the purveyor of it. And just like my podcast, Idle Chatter, it belongs to you guys because you are my audience and it is for you. But, you know, turning back, it's hard to believe that we built our house here on the farm in 1996 boy does time fly by and uh, before we when we were building our house i would call i call them johnny come lately's respectfully i don't think they're listening all right so those are like people who moved up from the city into the area so we call them jcls for short so this way they don't know what we're talking about but anyway and uh, maybe i shouldn't have said that to you but whatever it is what it is i am what i am and uh everybody was saying to us all the jcls were saying to us when we were building out charlotte and i were building our house on the farm Uh, my parents gave us two acres off the farm to build the house but if you were to ride by you would not know it's deeded differently uh whether we were going to put in a generator and they said no why would i put in a generator you know we we never lose my family's had this property since 1954 and i'm not going to say we never lost power but if we lost powers because like a transformer blew up or something it was maybe out for not eight or nine hours ten hours and it was never out for a day we never lost power the electricity never even used to flash or anything never even used to blink not flash blink and then what had happened was that they built more houses they tied into the grid more and then we had those two hurricanes one i think was in 2011 and then the other one was a few years after that hurricane sandy and we had another instance with a storm 
and we ended up losing power here for we were blessed because on the farm we only lost it for i think the one time four days and the next time was five days or six days that wasn't six days never quite never quite six days maybe five and a half days but other people in warren county specifically during hurricane sandy uh which was about 12 years ago now frightening uh they lost it for 10 11 12 days and we were blessed we did not lose that our power comes in off a of route 517 where if you're listening someplace else it's absolutely nothing so it's not too long of a run but the other people's power comes in uh through we'll say east jabib god knows how they have this grid wired up but the important thing was that i had felt and then the people who work for a power company that i know told me the same thing that the grid is really patched up with with scotch tape and electrical wire and this electrical tape and what have you i'm being ridiculous but the, the, the to do those repairs they really just did uh, what they would say in new york a rube goldberg repair so not really the best repairs just and i understand that to get the power back up to the people so that means that the electrical grid throughout the united states sadly and probably i would say through canada also is not what it used to be right because of all of the repairs and patchwork and then the additional strain on the grid so it's probably very prudent for everyone to have some sort of backup power source specifically when you live in a rural area because the power could go out for quite some time and when you have a well and you have no heat all right and you have no water it's really not a pleasant pleasant experience and i think the last time it got down to 38 degrees in the house before we invested in a generator so what i want to talk about today is to give you some idea and some food for thought about why you should be make your home and your farm generator ready all right is a generator ready well we get right after we come back from this short commercial break then i will explain to you what i am talking about and never forget agriculture runs on on machinery but profits on reliability The ability to better diagnose stress fractures in racehorses can lead to less catastrophic injuries. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Bob Judd with Texas Vet News on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And Dr. Chris Riggs indicates in the horse publication that stress fractures are a manifestation of mechanical failure. As a result, repetitive motion and loading patterns, bone suffers fatigue, and the microscopic internal damage can lead to a fracture. Dr. Matthew Sprite indicates that stress fractures are small fissures in bone that can be painful and cause decreased performance. And the fetlock region is the most common site of these fractures, which many times are catastrophic. The fractures often heal with conservative treatment, which includes rest, controlled exercise, and anti-inflammatory drugs. However, all fractures are not noted on x-rays, and sometimes the clinical signs are subtle and inconsistent. For this reason, other imaging modalities like nuclear scintigraphy are needed to find the fractures before further damage occurs. Nuclear scintigraphy, or a bone scan, can find fractures in larger bones that are difficult to image with other modalities. An MRI or CT scan is a great tool at finding these fractures, and there are some standing units. If a standing unit is not available, the horse must be placed under general anesthesia for a regular MRI or CT, 
which means the horses have to lie down and get back up, which is not always good in a horse with a possible stress fracture. One of the newest modalities is a PET scan, and it can detect microscopic changes at the molecular level and can even detect if the changes are active or from a previous injury. One disadvantage to these procedures is they do require at least sedation, and sometimes this can be a problem with using drugs that are not approved before a race. Also, these new imaging modalities can be very expensive. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So before the the sponsor break, I was saying that you should make, I'm suggesting that everyone makes their home generator ready. And uh, succinctly, there are two types of generators that you could buy or two classifications. One is called a standby or a backup generator, and that's usually a much larger unit. And most of the time, and we'll discuss this, that they kick on automatically and the, the power goes out. And within 10 or 15 seconds, the generator kicks on and restores the power. Uh, the other type is what is called a portable generator, which is a smaller generator. It's historically an open frame design and uh, they are meant for you to wheel someplace and then wheel out when you need power, when the power goes out and you need electricity. Now, we have in, we invested in a portable generator for our house here on the farm. But what I want to do is I want to go over some things with you uh, and bring some value to this, all right? Now, the thing is that if you were to talk to people whenever you're going to have automation when you can have something automatically and it's not even a it's not even a money thing because there's a lot of well there's a lot of things you have to consider on what type of generator you're going to get for your house but what i'm suggesting if you do not have one now to just make your house generator ready and that means portable generator ready and what that means is that you have to you have to have an electrician wire in a way to plug this generator into the house safely and i'm not saying you're not gonna it's illegal in most states and unsafe for you to back feed from the generator through a 220 240 outlet like for a dryer outlet you don't want to be running extension cords all over the place that's not what you want to do you want to be able to have this generator wired up through some sort of what they call transfer capability through a transfer switch or what have you so it's a plug and play setup and what i'm suggesting is that you do not invest in a transfer switch what i suggest that you do is you have an electrician install a what they call a mechanical interlock plate into your main panel and what happens is that they put this interlock plate in in the maiden paddle, and then they will run from that a receptacle. It's a NEMA, N-E-M-A type of, usually a 30-amp NEMA receptacle. And NEMA stands for National Electric Manufacturers Association. And then you would put this NEMA receptacle through the out through the through the house, garage, wherever your power panel is, and you the electrician would run it to outside and it would have a, a cap on it, it would have a lid on it, and there would be a plug there. So now why am I suggesting that versus a manual transfer switch? We could do like two shows on this because it's a little bit complicated. It's not complicated, it's confusing if you never bought it before. 
But if you speak to an electrician, he's going to tell you you need a manual manual transfer switch, or you need if you do what what I'm telling you with this mechanical interlock plate that you need to be able to to shut off the circuit breakers that on this and why would you need to do that on the different circuits in the house or the building is because a small generator is not going to be able to run your entire house but what they neglect to tell you is that electricity is passive you don't need to shut off all the circuit breakers to the swimming pool to the hot tub whatever you have all right the thing is that because if you don't turn them on, they're not going to draw anything. And if you draw too much current from a portable generator or any generator, but specifically a portable one, because their outputs are not that strong, so maybe it's like ours is 10,000 watts, then you will either stall the engine or pop a circuit breaker. And that is due to Ohm's law, volts times amps equals watts. So if you're drawing a lot of current and you're really loading that generator, it's either going to stall physically, the gasoline engine is going to stall, or you're going to pop a circuit breaker because the current drawer is too high. So why do I want, why am I suggesting the path that I am telling you about? Because it's inexpensive, it's reliable, and it is not complicated. And you could then get your home generator ready without investing in a generator. So what I would suggest that you do is you talk to an electrician and you have them install in your home a mechanical interlock uh, with a circuit breaker for that and you would have him install the receptacle to be outside on an exterior wall so it's outside and then you also invest in a 25 or 30 foot or it could be a 50 foot NEMA cable for you, a 30 amp cable for you to plug into that so you say well I don't have a generator well yes that is true you don't have a generator but you've made your home generator ready so God forbid something happens and you need to purchase a generator you go out and purchase a generator it's a matter of bringing that generator home and plugging it into the cable and into the wall and away you go throw the switch or throw the switch in the breaker box and you have power to your house all right or if somebody says well geez your power is out for instance i have two backup generators so let's say god forbid something happened and the neighbor says and the power is out and the neighbor says to me hey hey ray my power is out and uh, i have an elderly person i said well take one of my generators if your house is generator ready so i think it's very prudent for everyone who is listening to to make your home generator ready and you would probably i would say realistically depending upon where your boxes and i'm not an electrician but where your boxes and uh how much wide they have to run i would say you'd probably have 150 to 200 dollars in components which would be the lockout switch which is like between 15 and 30 dollars depending upon which one you buy maybe a little bit more a little bit less all right they're all basically the same it's a safety lockout panel and the purpose of that is it doesn't it 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 interrupts the power coming from the grid so if the power line is down and you didn't have that and you plugged in your generator you would back feed into the power grid and you could electrocute one of the linemen trying to fix the wire someplace so that and then if the power came on 
if the utility power and you had your generator running that would end up damaging your generator and for lack of better terms burning it out so you need to isolate this and you need to isolate it safely so that there's no human error and what this lockout plate does it doesn't allow you to switch over in your main panel to the generator without first killing the uh, power from the grid even though the power from the grid is not there at the moment but opening that circuit so it's a safety reason for the power company man working and it's a safety reason for your unit and obviously the person's life is of more value than your generator and now they also that's what that is and then you so you, you'd probably have a couple of hundred dollars into <clears throat> the parts meaning the lockout plate the box the cable and then what i would say is buy that nema 30 amp cable which is a twist lock cable they're readily available in different lanes you can buy a 50 foot one if you want but i think mine is 25 or 30 feet away and now you don't have a generator but you are generator ready so god forbid let's say that the power goes out to your place and the, in town the power didn't go out and they said we can't fix your power for two weeks because all the trees are down or what have you right which is a common scenario specifically in our neck of the woods here the thing is that you could go into town and you could buy a generator and for six seven hundred dollars bring it home put the wheels on it put the oil and gas in and you and your family would have the well they would have heat whatever all right you're not going to have everything but you're going to have the essentials of life because a portable generator and even a backup generator is not meant to duplicate your life when the grid power is on it's meant to give you the essentials for you to have heat hot water refrigeration whatever the essentials are it's not meant for you to 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 live your life as if the power was never out all right so by doing that you have made your home ready in case the power is out and the worst case scenario would be that you would have to either borrow a generator or you would have to go and buy one all right so that's the worst case scenario because like i said what people ended up doing during those hurricanes and the houses burned down is that they would buy a generator or borrow a generator and they would take an extension cord and they would run it through the house and try to unplug the refrigerator you're not going to be able to something that's hardwired for instance like a well pump or a heating system you're not going to be able to run through an extension cord easily but if you do the lockout switch all right in the box and allow that to transfer then put that plug that nema plug outside on the wall then and you already invested in the cable then you're ready to go you are golden right and now if you talk to an electrician he's going to say that you need to put uh, if you want to do that you need to put a manual lockout switch in all right and you need to isolate the circuits most man not lockout switch transfer switch most transfer switches will only give you six circuits to operate some larger ones give you 10 circuits to operate but what i don't like about that is that the installation is a lot more complicated and more costly because they have to go in and isolate those circuits to to the transfer switch and transfer means you're transferring from utility power to generator power all right so that is the other so that's one thing all right this the installation is more complicated and the unit even though it's manual is more complicated because you're going to have six circuit breakers six switches in it all right 
This is an emergency situation. You want to have reliability. You don't want complexity. And that is what I'm going to talk about right when we come back from the short sponsor break. Hey, y'all. My name is Jenna Heideman. Each Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, I get to hear the music and life stories of singers and songwriters with Western roots. I'm not a cowgirl, but as much as I love this culture, I dang sure should have been one. Tune in right here on Rural Radio to Should Have Been a Cowgirl and hear the stories right from our Music Row studios that you won't find anywhere else. A little bit of rodeo and a whole lot of country music. That's Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM. Farmers know that conditions can change quickly and shifts in the market or in policy can have a big impact. I'm Chip Flory, and every weekday on AgriTalk, we tackle the day's news with a panel of experts and lawmakers at the forefront of the issues. We connect producers with consumers, and we connect you with the information that you need. If it's related to ag, we're talking about it on AgriTalk, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on Rural Radio 147 and on the SiriusXM app. You know, the joke is that everything is bigger in Texas, and when you look at Rodeo Houston, that is definitely true. There's a lot of money up for grabs. Contestants are laying it all on the line. When it's got payouts like it does at Rodeo Houston, you've got to make it count. So it's definitely a key stop in our Texas swing. It is the biggest. When you look back at it historically over the past handful of years, guys that can walk out as champions of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, I don't want to just go out on a limb and say they've punched their ticket to the NFR, but they've certainly got a big, big chance of making it to the National Finals Rodeo. You know, when I think of Houston, I, I think of the opportunity that rodeo and Western sports has to introduce themselves to people that are not a fan yet. They come into the concert, but they get introduced to rodeo. Until you've been there, and seeing Rodeo Houston yourself, it's hard to even describe how massive it is and what a unique rodeo that is. Rodeo Houston is definitely one of a kind. All righty, welcome back to the show. I'm going to talk fast because we only have about five minutes left. Okay, so now there's since you're mostly an agrarian audience here, right? You have a tractor. If I was to buy a generator, we say, "Why don't you buy one? Why don't you buy what what you you're telling us to buy?" It's because it's only my wife and I, and Charlotte cannot operate my farm tractor. If I was to invest in a tra- in a generator again, and things were different, and I had an extra tractor around, then I would definitely buy a PTO powered generator. There's beautiful generators, all right, high-quality generators. They run off the PTO of the tractor. You have the the interlock put in for the transfer. You have the plug. You have the cable. You back the tractor up. You start it. You have the generator. Away you go. Beautiful. You could also use that generator to take into the field. You want to weld. You want to use a saw. You want to do something. It is the most reliable the best way to go all right if you have that ability to do that charlotte could never do that for a million years and i wanted to be able to have a power source for her that in case i'm out of town on a business trip or i'm in a hospital or something that she's not at a loss saying well i don't can't i don't know how to drive the tractor all right so that is that if you have a wife if you have people that could drive the tractor best way for you to go all right you don't have to worry about maintaining it that the engine runs change all the tractor always runs 
The other thing that a lot of people go for is what they call a backup or standby power unit. And that uses an automatic transfer switch. And an automatic transfer switch is quite complicated. It senses that the power goes out, it turns on the generator, all right? It, it's, the installation is complicated. The unit itself is very, very complicated. I've had instances, not me personally, I've heard stories of a wasps getting in there and building a nest. And the transfer switch doesn't work because the wasp built a nest in there. You don't want complication. Now... And the thing is that the pitfall of my generators is that they run on gasoline. So I keep about 20 gallons of gasoline around for the generators and I keep them filled with gasoline. I keep an extra 20 gallons so if the power goes out because my generator will run about 12 or 13 hours on a, on a tank of fuel, which is about eight gallons. Now, this is completely thinking out of the box. If you live in an area where you have could have the potential for lengthy power outages, four, five, six days, and you have the ability to either have natural gas or propane, and you have propane on the farm, then what I would suggest for you to do, and if you, could, and if you tell somebody this, they're going to roll their eyes to the sky, all right? The thing is that I would buy a standby unit, a backup power unit, like a Briggs & Stratton or a Generac or a Cummins or whatever, all right? Run it off the fuel of choice. So if you have propane, you have 500 gallons of propane, run it off of that. But have it wired up through a manual transfer switch because you do not want to have that complexity of the automatic transfer switch. So you'll have the, the if you have, let's say, 500 gallons of propane on the farm, 1,000 gallons, and this thing is burning a couple, you could actually run that generator for 24 hours a day for a month all right, off that propane tank. Or if you have natural gas, forget about it. It's, uh, that's unending. All right, but you want to remove the complexity of the automatic transfer switch. So you're going to have the length, the length of runtime without having to go to town buying gas. You're going to have a better unit, a more powerful unit with a cleaner signal if you buy, buy a better uh, standby backup unit. But what you would need to do is have the electrician wire into that unit a female NEMA twist lock connector. You'd still have the box on the wall, You'd uh, right? You would still need the interlock on the main panel, and then you would plug it into the generator, into the box on the wall. And instead of having a portable generator on wheels, you would have a higher quality generator, a more reliable generator, a cleaner electrical signal, and more power outage, power output. And if you have natural gas, if you have 500, 1,000 gallons of propane, if you have 100 gallons of propane on the farm for that generator, all right, you will have a much, much longer runtime, all right, without having to refuel. Me, I only have 20 gallons. I have 20 gallons of gas and eight gallons in the generator, so I got 28 gallons. If I burn through that and the power doesn't come on, I'm out of luck. All right, so that is, I think, the best way to go. Or if you have a farm tractor, then get a PTO generator and run it off the PTO. You have fuel for the tractor on the farm. The tractor will sit there. You'll run it. You'll run it at, at, you know, at the proper RPM, and you will be golden. And you will have power, clean power, good power, and reliable power. So if you have any questions, please reach out to me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. 
And I want to thank you so much for listening. And know the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. And never forget to be kind to all animals. Have a blessed day. Thank you. If you're like me, it's all about the great outdoors. Hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, biking, cooking, campfires. I love it. This is Beck, your host of the Bend Radio Show. Join me every week as we get the latest outdoor news and updates. We have hacks and gadgets. Plus, hear the stories from the backcountry that empowers all of us. Catch back if you can every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here. Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Hi, I'm Bob Phillips. And I'm Kelly Phillips. Texas is a big place, and we've seen it all. Every week, we travel the back roads to find the most interesting places and passionate people in the Lone Star State. And every week, we invite you to hop in and travel with us. Join us for our weekly journey into the small towns and big hearts of the Texans we discover on Texas Country Reporter. Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, exclusively on Sirius XM. Get more from your go-to station on Sirius XM Channel 147 by following us on social media at Rural Radio 147. Stay connected, stay informed, and be a part of the rural lifestyle. Search for Rural Radio 147 on your favorite social platforms and follow us today. Listen in and be a part of the discussion on Rural Radio, your agribusiness and western lifestyle channel, right here on Sirius XM. Stay informed with what's going on throughout agriculture with American Ag Today on Rural Radio Channel 147. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and each weekday, I bring you the latest news, market info, ag tech news, and more with American Ag Today. Weekdays at 6.52 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Fortune from the Statler Brothers. Thanks for listening to Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM.